0: You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Um, I am going to continue preaching, uh, and I'm preaching uh, today. I'm moving us, I'm, I'm moving us out of. The, the literal book of Proverbs and, and the wisdom of the Proverbs. But we're taking that wisdom and we're going over and we're going to get into the New Testament and we're going to see what's in the New Testament and what it says about this thing of wisdom uh, and talk a little bit about that today, okay? Uh, so I'm really uh, hoping that today God will speak to your heart and, and, and position you with a sense of identity, not only of who you are, uh, but what your message is, you know, uh, what, what you're bringing as a believer, as a, as a child of God, as a follower of Christ. Um, so let's get into that this morning. I'm going to be taking you through several passages of Scripture out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, and I'm going to do this for the next couple of Sundays. Uh, Nathan really inspired me to do this and challenged me to do this, and I, I really loved the challenge he gave me um, because I, I was really sort of floundering as to how to close up the book of Proverbs. Uh, and, uh, and, and I'm actually going to let Nathan do that because I couldn't figure it out. So Nathan gets to talk to you from um, the, uh, the, the book of Proverbs, uh, and, and I'm going to do today and and next Sunday, and then uh, you get to listen to Nathan talk to you uh, from the book of Proverbs as we kind of close that up. And then we're going to talk about work. After that, as we go into September and into in to, post Labor Day, we're going to talk a little bit about just what the Bible says about work and a work ethic and works and what they do and don't do for you and what is the work of the church uh, in, you know, uh, in, in, in the world and some, some of those kinds of things. And we're going to try to get a bit creative with how, how we approach that and how we deliver that to you. Uh, so, here's what I'd like for you to do. I want you to listen with an open heart as we start to close out Proverbs here and, and, and look at the wisdom of Christ over the next couple of Sundays. And, and, um, and as we start to enter into this whole works thing, uh, be very prayerful. I, I want God to really speak to us as Life Church and really, really set us, you know, just really, really solidify us uh, as, as a missional church and as being called into to this neighborhood. And that we enter this fall of the year with with just some renewed sense of purpose and and direction. And that God is speaking that direction clearly to us as we are going forward. And what, what and how we do this gospel proclamation in our neighborhood. Okay, would you just pray with me for a moment? Father, thank you. We are weak, but you are strong. Would you speak to our hearts today and encourage us? Would you, would you fill us with your Spirit in a fresh way today as we hear your Word? Would you challenge us, God, uh, as we live? Let us live in the fullness of Christ. Would you, would you cause our hearts to desire and, and long for and, 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 and pant after the wisdom of God that is Christ? Would you... Would you give us a fresh revelation of the cross? Would you give us a a greater sense of the power of the resurrection? Would you take us today, Lord, and just catapult us into mission? We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's just, let's just read this passage from 1 Corinthians this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to begin reading at verse 18. Excuse me just a moment. Let's see if I can help us enjoy this better. Um, beginning at verse 18, and I want to read down through the remainder of the first chapter here, okay? For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. To bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus. Whom God made our wisdom. And our righteousness. And sanctification. And redemption. Therefore, as it is written. Let the one who boasts. Boast in the Lord. Amen. The... uh, there's an organization called the American Religious Identification. <laughs> they do a survey, okay? Uh, they're, they're, they conduct this, this, it's like a huge nationwide survey. They do it about every seven years. They, the last one that was done was in like 2008. And uh, they had done a very similar one in, in 2001. So I suppose one's coming up next in the next year or so. Um, but, but they ask people to identify themselves um, based uh, on their religion, so by their religious preference or whatever. And, and they include, like, an unbelievable number of religions in this list that you can identify yourself from, all right? So it goes from Catholic to mainline Protestant, Evangelicals, uh, Pentecostals, Charismatics, so, and you can, you know, sort yourself out there on the list. Um, I, one of the most interesting things about the survey, the last one that was done, um, as it was evaluated, was that these individuals who were doing this and, and making the evaluations realized that there was, there was one particular category that increased in every single state in the United States. So as far as, as growing, only one category that people ticked off increased in all 50 states in the United States. Anybody have any idea what that might be? What? No, it's not. That would have been my guess, Islam, but it's not Islam. Atheism? You're close. Agnostic? No. The category, none. The category, none. No religious Reference. increased in every single state. It's the only category that, across the board, increased. Why do I tell you that? Because I want you to understand that what, what is going on here. We, we, if we were looking at this from, from a financial or a political perspective, we would say that America is in a, in a religious recession. We, we, we would say that there is, is, is like an ecclesiastical downturn we would say that the church is losing not gaining and, and 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 what what then is behind this what is what is happening and and i think one of the obvious things is that that our society that we are living in today this overly uh, sexualized culture that we are in is not buying what the church is offering all right. It's, it's, it's not it's not grabbing a hold of what the church is saying it has a, a, a available. But but I think there's a, a greater problem here that compounds the whole thing. And, and, and that is that that the church I'm speaking in general terms now, but the church uh, in order to attract more seekers, if you will, ha- has in, in a large part abandoned what she, what the, she, the church has to legitimately offer for the answer to those who are seeking. And, and, and what the church has done is the church has gotten weird. And the church is offering gimmicks and all kinds of things to try to attract people. And the church is making itself something that it really never was supposed to, to be. Uh, and, 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 and that is this, this sort of buffet plate of all kinds of fun experiential things that, that, that it makes available to people. But, but the problem is that in doing that, that the church seems to be, and, and I think is... Embarrassed about the genuine message and it's losing the message. If it's not losing and abandoning the message, it's at least putting the message on the back burner, the real message, the authentic message, and that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified and resurrected. And so we're working really hard to get people in, but we're using a lot of stuff to do that that isn't our stuff, it's the stuff of the world. And so we move over and say, okay, I have to think like the world thinks. I have to have the wisdom of the world here. I have to, I have to package the church now like the world packages a business or, 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 an, or an entertainment or, or whatever. So that people will come and they will explore it. And maybe if we get lucky, one or two of them will, will grab a hold of it. It's so wrong. And I want, to, I want to encourage you as Life Church, and, and I, I want you to understand that, that in no way on Saturday are we putting up a gimmick. This isn't, this isn't some thing that we are trying to do to say, okay, all you gotta do is show up, and if you show up, you're okay. We just wanna we just wanna make it fun. We just want you to have a good time. We want you to be happy. And if you get happy, and, and we, can, we can, can, can trace that back to us as the source, then we've done good and you're all right. No. That isn't the way it works. And so what we're offering on, on Saturday is we're offering an opportunity for you in the neighborhood to get to know us. We're, we're, we're giving you an opportunity to sit down with us and hopefully you're going to see the real authentic church a church that's operating in power and wisdom. The wisdom of Christ. And you're going to see people who are out here not because they want to, they want to come up with some weird gimmick or be weird people so that... They can get your attention. But these are people who say, you know what? I don't have all the answers, but I know this God that does. I know His Son, Jesus Christ. I know He has power. I know that the wisdom of Christ can overcome these painful things that you're in. And I don't have all the answers for you, but I'm willing to sit out here in the hot sun on a summer day and just tell you, I'm with you. I'll stand with you. I'll walk with you. I'll care about you. I'm not your answer. I'm not the Messiah. But I know the one who is, who comes from God, whose wisdom is perfect. And so we move ourselves away from this, this, this thing that we've all been talking about and has been challenging us and, and, and chiseling us out and shaping us in the book of Proverbs. And we just take all of that good wisdom and understanding over there and we're just going to tote it over here into the New Testament. And we're going to just, just soak in this wisdom of God, this wisdom of Christ, and say, okay, here I am, Lord, send me. And we're going to rise up and we're going to be God's church and and God's people. So even though there's this sort of spiritual recession that's going on, and and in in a a number of ways, the church is losing, the church is, is diminishing. I don't have all the answers for that, but I'll tell you this. I know where the answer lies. And it doesn't lie in gimmicks. It doesn't lie in crazy stuff. It doesn't lie in weird measures. It lies at the cross of Jesus Christ. And as life, church, we'll never get away from that. We'll never move away from that cross and the power of the resurrection. Because that is what changes people. It is not what you do and I do in our own strength. So so I I want us to understand that that the world is is impressed by by things like power and like wisdom. But it's it's the world's wisdom and the world's power that seems to impress the world. And this genuine Christian message, this authentic Christian message, this message of the cross, it's going to come across as weak and as foolish in terms of the wisdom to to the lost. But that doesn't mean we look for something else that does appeal to them. It doesn't mean that we try to come up and gimmick something or mimic something in the world so that people are, are drawn to that. Because we understand that the Spirit of God is capable of drawing people. And so we stay with this very authentic message, if you will, alright? This, this word of the cross, it, is, it says here, folly to those who are perishing. Signs of, signs of power, that, that appeals to people. People like power. People like wisdom, alright? These, these, are, these are things that impress people. But I want you to understand something. There, there, there are only... There, there's, a, there's a ridge called the Continental Divide in America. And people live on one side or the other. It's just one, one ridge. It goes all the way through our nation I was reading this article, and this this guy says that if a drop of water falls on that ridge in a rainstorm, those drops when they fall on that ridge if they if they run to to the left on that ridge, conceptually that water moves to the pacific but but if if, if those raindrops fall on the right side of that ridge, there's some, there's some place at center on the ridge, okay? Conceptually, then, all of that water moves to the Atlantic Ocean. And that that falls on the right side can't go to the left. And that that falls on the left can't go to the right, all right? It, it, it trickles down, it goes out, all right? Those consecutive drops of water, they fall on the same ridge But eventually, thousands of miles, 3,000 plus miles, will separate them. I want you to understand something very clearly. That is what the cross does to the whole human race. It divides. It divides. There's no way around this, folks. The cross divides. We are all divided into only two Camps, if you will, heading to only two destinations. All right? Verse 18 speaks here of two kinds of people those who are perishing and those who are being saved. There are those who are perishing because the cross seems as folly, and there are those who are being saved because of the power of God. And in this room, there's only one divide. Either you are in Christ, or you are not. Either you are being saved, or you are perishing. Perishing. I remember in when growing, I haven't heard the word perishing used in conversation a lot, especially as an adult. But I remember as a child that that I remember my aunties using that word perish. And when they used that word perish, they were referring to. Uh, food that has been left out. Oh, don't let it perish. It'll, that'll perish. Put it in the fridge. That'll perish. Meaning, it will decay. It will. It will sour. It will rot. All right. It'll get. Ba- it'll go bad, if you will. All right. So, if left to itself, if left undone, uh, as as time moves along, it will decay. All right. And the Bible says we're like that. This, the world is, is, is like this. The, the clock keeps ticking, folks. And this world is running down. This world is decaying, if you will. And you will run down. You will decay. It's the way of all flesh. Think of it like this. Think of it, th- I mean, we're in August, but let's go to December. Think of a Christmas tree. Fresh, green, smelling great. My wife will tell you, she, she loves when that tree comes in the house or, or, or those fresh cut limbs are, are cut off of a tree. That smell. And it just, it makes the house, you know, just, just smell good. But, but here's the thing. That tree is chopped down. It is wrenched it is from its life source, if you will. It's taken away from its natural habitat, all right? And, and the moment that tree is cut down, it starts to perish. It starts to decay. Still looks great on the outside. (laughs) You know, uh, all all through Christmas it it gets dressed up and it's made beautiful with decorations. It's brought into the warmth of your home. Uh, It's surrounded by all these wonderful friends and celebration and family you have. But that tree right there in that room is perishing the whole time. And eventually it starts dropping needles and it starts to turn a little brown you hoover up or, or vacuum up, you know, all of the, the, the evidence of decay. You get, keep getting, you keep celebrating, you know, you keep, keep enjoying it. But at some point, come January, you take that tree out of there. And you don't for one minute try to convince yourself that it has life. You throw it away because it has Perished. That is us. We, we begin life in the Garden of Eden. We were fresh. We were green. We were, we were alive. Uh, but man decided to go it alone. We were cut off from our life source, from, from the Lord. And, and ever since then, we've been perishing. Perishing. And the clock is ticking. And we, we can pretty ourselves up, Folks. Like, like a Christmas tree, we can look nice, we can look fancy, we, we can adorn ourselves with, with all sorts of good, good looks and, and, and good works. You know, we can decorate our tree, if you will. We can surround ourselves with family and, and, and with friends, and we can celebrate and have good times, but the reality is, without Christ, we are perishing. There is no life in us. We are destined for hell. there's this other kind of human being in verse 18. Those that are being saved. Those lifted out of this perishing condition. There are those who find this rescue from this, this decaying flesh, if you will. And the inner man grows and strengthens. And pleases God and gives glory. But those are the only two options, guys. That's it. Two two choices. We're either saved or we're still perishing. Alright? And I want you to understand something about the world. And I want you to understand this before we get out there on Saturday. The world is not ultimately divided into rich or poor. That's not where God draws the line. It's not ultimately divided into East or West. So if some native brother is sitting out there and says, well, I'm West River, and you're over here East River, it doesn't divide you. That's not what divides you. If someone's Hispanic and, and you're Asian, that doesn't divide you. I mean, I, I realize there's differences, but, but in the bigger picture, that's not the divide. Your political outlook or preference is not the divide. Whether you're right wing or left wing, that ultimately does not divide you, alright? You're not divided just because you're black or white or, or, or some other ethnicity. You're not divided into religious types or non-religious types. You're, ultimately, you're not even divided into good and bad. Because... All the bad people can be good sometimes. And the reality is, all you good people can be bad sometimes. The world is split. The human race is divided in this. There are those who are perishing and there are those who find salvation. And let me tell you something, the responsibility of those who have found and are finding salvation and are being saved is to go to those who are lost, who do not have that salvation, and to share that good news with them. And on Saturday morning, you will be in only one of two camps. You will either be one who does not have this salvation and is perishing, or you will be one who does. And that determines your responsibility. And if you are in life, church, and you declare that you are among those who are being saved, you are responsible to share what has been entrusted to you. And that is this good news, that although you are perishing, you are in decay, this Jesus on the cross has come. in the power of the resurrection His intent is to save you, forgive you of your sins, restore you, give you life, graft you in, reconnect you to this loving Heavenly Father. That's our message. Our message on Sunday morning is not one of earthly wisdom. It is not one of earthly power. It is not us in our own strength doing something to pull something off that is filled with gimmicks. Our message isn't come have fun and jump on the, on the, on the bouncing house. Our message isn't, oh, come on, have some snow cones. Let's chill and take it easy. No. No. The wisdom of God says, you can't do it on your own. It's only through Jesus. And and, and that is the message of the cross. Jesus crucified. And that's what he says here in this passage. It is foolishness to those who are perishing, yes. But to us who are being saved, it is. It must be the power of God. So what makes the difference in this world? It is a message. It is our message. It's a simple message that over time has been passed on by, by word of mouth. But it's a message that changes eternity. And if that doesn't sound weak enough, it's the message of a cross. <laughs> this is not the message that the world readily accepts. The world isn't jumping onto this. There. Folks, did you notice when you came in, there's not a line of sinners at the door of life church? I'm preaching to the rescued for the most part this morning, I'm sure. But if you're sitting here and you're the Holy Spirit is opening your eyes to this, and you are one of those who is on the side of perishing, today is your day to step over the divide. And to know this Jesus in his power and his wisdom that isn't of the world that is different. So this message says that Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, and that's, what he, that's what he's called. Look over, if you have your Bible, just, just look over to the next chapter, chapter 2, and look at verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That's what He is. He's, he's the Lord. And we're going to talk more about the, the wisdom of the Spirit and the wisdom uh, of Christ next, next Sunday. Um, but, I, but I want you to get, get this part of it today from chapter 1, okay? This Jesus, this Lord of glory, if you will, and that's what he's called. He is, he is the Lord of glory. He was there in the beginning. He's the, the craftsman of creation, uh, as, as one has said. He, he's, the, he's the one that, that was, is forever loved by his Father, but sent as the eternal Son of God. He's, he's the, the Lord of glory that was strung up on this cross, this, this piece of wood, if you will. Nails, iron nails put in, driven through his hands and his feet. He, he was laid out, stripped, if you will, in full view on this cross for the whole world to, to look at there. And, 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 and when his, his heart had given away and stopped beating, they, they thrust this spear up, up into his, his, under his rib cage and burst him open there. But he's the Lord of glory. He's a Lord of glory that lives this kind of, of, of death and dies. He, he's accursed, he's God forsaken, he's butchered. And that's what saves a perishing world. The world doesn't get that. That seems foolishness. But let me tell you something. This story we have is the Lord taking responsibility for His world. His world is perishing. And so what does He do? He takes what's coming to us. And He enters into that. And He sums it up. And He stands as the head of the church the Son of God, and He stands before a perishing world, a perishing people, if you will, and He takes what's coming to us, not what was deserved for Him. That doesn't make sense. That isn't wise. That isn't wisdom, the world will tell you. But that is God's way. That is God's plan. We deserve to be accursed. We we deserve this thing. We deserve to be God forsaken by our sin. It, it, It separates us from God. We deserve to perish in darkness. But Christ died for us. He took on himself what was coming to us and he put it all to death. And he said, it is finished. It's done. You can't do anything more. His wisdom doesn't allow you to do anything. His wisdom stops you from doing anything more. How do you react? How are you reacting to this now? Even as I preach it, how do you react to this story, this message of the cross some sit here even in churches and think how odd, how silly, how unnecessary, how, how foolish all of this is. I don't need Jesus to die for me. I don't, I don't want Jesus to die for me. Well, if you feel that way, if that's the way you're thinking, it's, it's probably clear what side of the divide you're on. The revelation of this amazing wisdom and power of God has not hit you yet. And I would ask you to let Let the Spirit of God speak to you today to see the beauty of the cross and you see it as the the foolishness of the cross from the perspective of those who are perishing. Does it sound foolish to you? Are you perishing? Have you really embraced this, this wisdom and this power of God? Are your eyes open? Are you looking at the cross and saying, Yes! The power of God. Are you trying to do it yourself? Are you trying to to make it happen? Are you trying to earn it in some way? Are you trying to to get it in your head? Are you trying to, 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 through knowledge, ascend to some place that you can say, okay, finally, I know. Or finally, I'm there. I can do it. I've accomplished it. No, you're perishing. You can't do it. When you look to, to Christ crucified, what do you, what do you see? Are seeing something weak and something foolish? Or are you really seeing the power of God? And see, this is where the whole world divides on this point. There's no neutrality. There's no spiritual Switzerland here where you can go to some place and you're kind of in between and you're safe. Either you are saved and being saved Christ are you are perishing you know we, we, we want power we, we want wisdom the world says that the world means that and and the, the interesting thing is there's probably a preference for most people one one way or the other there's some people who they would prefer the the power like he's talking about here I think Paul just nails it you know I think he just nails it he says you know there's this thing of power there's this thing of wisdom uh some people prefer power. They want to see God in power encounters. You know, they want the burning bush kind of thing. They want this crazy stuff going on all around them, you know, and they wanna they want to encounter and experience all, all of that. And some people they, they just they just want God in some kind of Quiet way, some sort of intellectual way that they want to. They want to. They want to read and, and understand God through through something. Um, that one pastor I was reading, he, he said that he, he asked an atheist about this whole thing and said, you know what, um, what 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 would convince you to be, to believe in God? And he, he said two things. He said if I saw him in a burning bush, or or I saw him on the front of like a, a science magazine, meaning either. I, I, I could see him in some experiential kind of way, power, you know, like this burning bush experience they talk about in the Bible. Or I could see him uh, explained scientifically and, and, and logically in some way so that, that I could say, yeah, I, I, I go with that. Which are you? How do you want to see him? Verse 22, Paul, Paul talks about... Two groups of people he ministered to here. And he's the Jews and the Greeks. The Jews were the burning bush kind of people. And the Greeks were the rational argument kind of people. He says, for Jews demand signs. Greeks seek wisdom. I love the next statement. But we preach Christ. (laughs) They don't get it. They don't get to have it. they're going after it if you will all right the 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 jews are the burning bush the greeks are the rational jesus demand uh, the jews demand this this miraculous sign the greeks are searching or looking for this wisdom if you will but we preach christ crucified this stumbling block he says to the jews this foolishness to the gentiles here here, here's here's the, the the image okay they're looking, the Jews, they're looking up to the sky for this miraculous sign, if you will. And all the time they're looking up, suddenly they come to this Jesus and they stumble over the cross. They don't see it, you know. They, they, they don't get it, if you will, all right. How, how foolish they think it is. And they, and they despise it, the Bible says, okay. And the power people just think it's weak, you know. They, they think that this, this wisdom is, 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 is foolishness. The, the, the wisdom people do. They don't understand this kind of wisdom. They're, you know, they're, they're down there. They're, they're, they're looking. You know, they're, they're going through their books and their test tubes and they're, they're on their calculators and they're doing all this kind of stuff. And, and all of a sudden, out of the corner of their eye, they might see this, this sort of glimpse, this sort of type of the cross. And, and immediately they just despise it. They won't have anything to do with it. That's what we're, that's what we're up against, folks. That's, that is the world. The world is looking for power. The world is looking for wisdom. And, and, and they don't get what we are, this message that we are bringing. But here's what I want you to understand. We don't change the message. We don't preach something else. Paul says that they're looking for, for power. They're, they're looking for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Yes, he's a stumbling block to the Jews. Yes, he's folly to to the Gentiles. But those who are called, that's you. Whether you're Jew or whether you're Greek, whether you're on the power side or, or, or or you're on the wisdom side, Christ is the power of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. That's the unifying force here. That's what brings us together at the foot of the cross is this Jesus. And that's what we're preaching. That's what we're bringing Saturday morning is this Christ and His message. And this is the true sort of uh, miracle that can happen, all right? There are those who are looking and they're saying, I want power. They look at the cross and say, no, that's foolishness. And there are those who, who, who are, are looking at the cross and they're saying, uh, I want wisdom. And they're saying, no, this is, this is crazy. But I want to give you hope. There are some that will hear this message and there are some that will look and when they see the cross, they will stand there and as exampled in Scripture, they will say, who was this man? My Lord and my God, the God of glory, because they will get it. The Spirit will speak to their heart and they will get it. What would it look like for God to show up to you, all right? What, what, what would it look like for God to come? You a power person? <laughs> if I were a power person, and I didn't understand the wisdom and the power of, of God, I would, I would picture it like this. I, I would picture like this sort of Thor kind of guy, you know? Uh, this, this, this crazy like superhero kind of guy and he would be hurling a light bolt, you know? He'd be like, whoosh, you know? He'd be dashing out punishments and all kinds of things. If if power is your thing, that's the way you would look. Yeah, He's this big God and He strikes people and He punishes. No, no. The wisdom of God is He takes the punishment. He says, I'll be the lamb. I'll take it. That doesn't make sense. But that's this whole thing of how God turns this wisdom model upside down. On the cross is a God who takes the punishment. uh, It's one kind of power to be able to live above suffering. It's another kind of power um, that, that chooses to come into that place and take that suffering. And that's what Jesus did. And you you want to see real power, folks? Get in the Scriptures, and, and, and you look here in the Scriptures at how the Lord of glory takes responsibility for His creation and, and, and he literally wrenches the world back from the abyss when he perishes in our place, when he gives up his, his spirit, if you will. That's real power. That's the power of God. That's the power of God. Are, are you on that side that thinks, wise God, that's what I want, I want this wisdom and, when you imagine a wise God showing up, what, what would that look like? For for me, if I wasn't a Christian and someone talking about a, a wise God, I, I would be like this giant, like mind, this this thing that was like a, a, an eternal mind, and it would always have these eloquent teachings and these amazing words. You know, the kind that people cross stitch and hang on those plaques on the wall that I don't like. But on the cross is a different kind of God. A God that's so wise that He just turns all of our ideas upside down. You thought of God as big? He came as small. You thought of God as demanding? He came as a giver. You thought of God as a master? He came as a servant. You thought of God as mighty? He came as meek. A lamb, a sacrificial victim, bleeding for your sin. Is that wise? Is that powerful? Well, if you're seeing rightly, and you're living in your confession, it is the most wise. It is the most powerful. Look at verse 25. He says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. It's more. It's greater. Christ crucified is God's wisdom. Christ crucified is God's power. And so I hope that you are looking at the cross and you are seeing this. The church is a community of people, and we need to be doing the same, all right? We we need to be worshiping this God in, 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 in this power, in this wisdom. But then we have to look at ourselves and say, what will our church look like? Well, I'm going to tell you before we close here, I want you to understand this church will look extremely weak and extremely foolish. If this work on the cross looks weak to the world and it looks foolish to the world and the world cannot accept it, it's, it's, we are going to look that way. His church is going to look that way. Folks, we cannot look foolish because we're doing gimmicky kinds of things. We already look foolish because of the reality of Christ on the cross and Him crucified. And so we take that. All right and, and 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 that is the cost is that we are willing we are willing to look weak and we are willing to look foolish. Look at verse 26. Consider your calling, brothers. Consider where you came from, guys. All right? Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful again according to worldly standards. Not many of you were of a noble birth. You weren't born into something special in the eyes of the world. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. What what, what do we mean by that? Is the church called to embarrass the world? No, no. By the life we live in Christ, the fallacy of the world system is exposed. It's shamed. And the reality that it is not truth and it cannot save you becomes the truth. And God uses that to save people. Christ crucified is God's power and God's wisdom. And so we are going to we're going to look this way. We're going to look foolish. We're We're going to look powerless. All right? Jesus looked like a loser in that moment. He really did. He looked like he had failed an executed criminal at the age of 33. Three years of ministry and he was gone. He was done, if you will. He looked like a total flop. What will his people look like? I'm afraid we're going to look quite lonely. We're going to look quite despised. We're going to look as though we're nobodies. We're going to look in a lot of ways like Jesus looked. But the message is where the power and the wisdom is. It is not in you. This is not about your reputation. It is about the hero, the real avenger, the one who has risen up by going low, the one who is now exalted because he became debased for your sin and for mine. Let's go back to the Christmas tree, perishing, decaying, no life in it. Jesus comes into this world fully connected to the true life source, the Father God. He puts to death our perishing ways on the cross. He opens His arms to us. He says, come and be grafted in to me. Get in. Get connected, if you will. And in an instant, when we accept Him, we are apart. By the spirit of adoption, we're in. We're in. We have all the benefits. When, when, when Kate Middleton married Prince William in England some time ago, she was a commoner in a sense. But when she married him, she immediately was grafted into royalty, she immediately was covered. By royalty. And she experienced all the benefits of royalty. And they have continued with her. And they will ultimately manifest in her appearance of royalty in time. Like none we've seen. What am I saying to you? I'm saying that the Prince of Peace has come. In power and in wisdom. And he has called you to be grafted in. And this wisdom is not of the world, but God has, through this Christ, turned the wisdom of the world upside down and given us a new model of power and wisdom. And if we can grab a hold of that, it will change us. Which side of the divide are you on? That is the question.